Amen. Thank you, worship team. And would you turn with me to two passages of Scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and then Acts chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 3, and then Acts chapter 6. I want to talk with you about deacons. Doesn't that sound exciting? I mean, did you come here and go, man, do I need a sermon on deacons? Um, I heard about a little girl who was asked about her parents. Her, asked, her parents asked her, how did it go in Sunday school? What did your teacher teach on? And she said, oh, we learned that Jesus walked on water and cast out deacons. <laughs> okay. I think she got that wrong. Um, probably good. Some not so good. My experience of deacons at Faith Church is really good. It is not like the church curmudgeon tweeted and said, this morning's coffee is like our deacon board, weak, bitter, and cheap. I'm, I'm glad it's not that case. Deacons. You know deacons? Do you know what they are? What do they do? I mean, are they board members? To make decisions in the church? Are they like the legislative body of the church? Uh, are, do, they, do they keep the pastor in check? Is that their job? Or are they the voted representatives? Are they yes men to agree with whatever decision the senior pastor decides? Are they shepherds who do the, the pastoring of the flock? But they're not ordained. Wealthy or successful in business who need to be appointed as trustees of the church. Well, the word deacon in the Bible really comes from a Greek word, diakonos, or there's many different forms of it, but really the word in the Greek means servant or serve tables. Now, this message isn't just for deacons, it's for the church, it's for me, it's for you, and for many different ways. All of God's Word is really good for us and practical for us. In the, Old, in the New Testament, in Jesus, the early church's time, the word deacon or this word service or servant, it was not an honorific title at all. It was pejorative to be like, it was servile, it was, it was a servant. Why, why would you want that? Uh, and we, let's start by looking at the type of people that the Apostle Paul, in writing to Timothy, because that's where we've been in, we're looking at 1 Timothy to see what did Timothy, what did Paul think Timothy needed to know in order to lead the church to be the, the church of God that's a pillar of the truth, the family of God. And in verse 8, 1 Timothy 3, 8, you can follow along as I read. He says, you are to have these type of people as your deacons, whatever that might be. We're going to see what deacons are in a minute. Verse 8, deacons likewise must be dignified. They are not to be double-tongued. They're not deceptive. They're not loose with their words. They are not addicted to much wine. They're controlled. They're temperate. They're not greedy of dishonest gain. They're not in it for the money. They must hold the mystery of the faith, which is the gospel, 
with a clear conscience. They're real. They're not hypocrites in any way. And verse 10, let them be tested first. Take your time on who you get as deacons. Make sure they're tested and proven. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Not open to any charge. Verse 11, their wives... Now, I wonder if you have a translation. You might if you have the New American Standard. It says, women likewise, or their wives, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. And then it moves back to deacons. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife. We saw this last week in the requirement for overseers or elders or pastors. Let the deacons be a husband of one wife. It means faithful in their marriage in all ways. Managing their children and their household well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So this passage says the type of men that you are to choose to be deacons are to be blameless, which means not perfect or sinless because that's no one, but not open to a credible charge. You have a good reputation in the church as a godly person who is completely dependable, not greedy, hold faithful to what God has said in His Word. They have a proven track record. They are tested first. And I would say this, the same requirements that you should look in the character qualities in a pastor, elder, overseer. You should look in a deacon. There is not a lesser requirement when it comes down to character. The only difference is elders are called to be able to teach because they are in a teaching, leading, ruling role. And deacons aren't called or required to be able to teach. Now, that's, that's where we are now. Now, the question is, what do deacons do? What do deacons do? If you, if you look through this passage, you don't see anything. No job description like you find for a pastor. A pastor is to rule well in 1 Timothy 4.17, and they are especially in the teaching of God's Word. They rule with the teaching of the God's Word. They, they proclaim it and call you to obedience. But there's nothing for deacons listed here, other than their title. They're they're servants. And so most scholars and New Testament and scholars and pastors and people in the church have often looked through the Scriptures and they come across Acts chapter 6 where we go, hey, I think that might be the the prototype, the, the kind of the beginning seed form of what the deacons became in the church. And I think they're right in that. So let's look at Acts chapter 6, 1 through 7. Acts chapter 6. So we see deacons, they need to be godly men. They need to be, they need to be blameless and they need to be full of integrity and faithful in their home. They need to love the gospel. We saw that in 1 Timothy 3. But what do they do? The role of deacons. Look at Acts 6.1. Now, these days when the disciples were increasing in number, okay, here's a church problem, a complaint by the Hellenists. If you, you in your footnote, it might say the Greek-speaking Jews. The Hellenists or the Greek-speaking Jews, there, there were a complaint by them, a complaint by them arose because 
against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. I want you just to see this. Church growth is happening, and this is spiritual growth. The gospel is prospering in the book of Acts. It's going out. People are being saved. Problems happen because we're sinners and there's issues. Or there's just We live in a world that needs help. And one group was getting neglected in the... They were really generous when they were, they were growing. They would give the tithes and offering. They had the grace fund except big time. And they would give and give. And they had this list of widows that needed special care. There was no social security. And those that needed help, they gave. And they gave a lot. And at this point... One group of people, and they were ethnically divided. They spoke in Greek, and then these spoke in, in Aramaic, and the Hebrews, and this group was getting neglected, and they complained to the apostles, or the, the leaders in the church, saying, we're getting neglected, and there was this complaint. So what do good pastors do? The pastors decided to fix it, and they, they took a time off, they took a sabbatical from preaching, and they they made sure this was organized because this is a threat to the church. That's not what happens. So in verse 2, the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples. That means the full church. Those that were members of the church. It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve table. That word to serve table is where you get the word deacon. It is not good for us to give up the preaching of God to, to deacon, to serve tables. Verse 3, Therefore, church, would you pick from among you seven men of good repute, good reputation, full of the Spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. This duty probably had hundreds of thousands of dollars to oversee. In, in the equivalency. I mean, it was people were selling their homes. They were selling their properties and giving it to those in the needs in the church. You, and he says, we're going to appoint these seven, but we will, verse 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And when they said, please the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and it lists these men. And in verse 7, the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Okay, what we see here, I believe, is a picture of the reason deacons were brought into the church, and they will help us as we think about our church and we think about you serving in the body. I'd see three reasons why deacons exist for the church in this seeing from this passage. First, deacons care for the needs of the church. They care for the needs of the church. I'm thankful for the deacons that are in this church because they are committed to caring for, they, in this passage, these deacons, or whatever we call them, these seven, were to take care of the distribution for the widows and to make sure there was no longer a problem. But they were there to care for this need. The church was generous and lovingly caring for its own, which is what we are called to do. And we need leaders within our church, serving leaders, who come and they organize and they help meet needs. And these men were selected to take care of this important job. It was an extremely important job, and it needed to be taken care of, 
let's call godly leaders to help organize, to lead, to rolling up the sleeves and caring for the needs of the church. Deacons exist to care for the needs in the church. They're called, this doesn't mean they do everything. I do not think that these seven men did all the work. I think they led in the organizational. They probably had many men and women that were helping them take care of this organizational problem. And they served because of their love for the church and the body. And deacons serve with a joy because they get to follow Jesus. Because Jesus, we're going to see this in a minute, deaconed them. He served them. So they get to lead the way in showing this Christ-like physical service of meeting needs in the church. I'm thankful for our current four deacons. Two of them are gone. They're usually not gone. They're two of them are gone and this morning, I, so I get to talk, to talk about them behind their back. And that would be Lee and Scott, two men that have served this pastor and our elders and pastors here served this church. And I know many of you have specifically cared for both financially and materially in your lives. I'm thankful for Chuck and John who are here who serve, whether it be in ushering, who serve at the worship team. John, who's here almost at some days, every day of the week, it seems like, anticipating or fixing problems in the facilities because you do not want me doing that. <laughs> right, Molly? Yes. And Molly said amen. Um, and, and I'm thankful for the men in this church who are, have wi- been willing to at least pray about whether God would want them to be future deacons men that you've nominated for, for that position, and so they're in training to see if God is calling them to do this, uh, to, to work with our deacon ministry, and that's Brad Hutchison and Jason Moles and Jim Ellis, future deacons. Not everybody's called to deacon, just like not everyone's called to eldership. All are called to do caring for the church. And I'm thankful for, I don't know if they're all in here this morning, but I'm thankful for men like Ethan and Jason Bukowski, who are, were deacons, they're not right now, they're still part of this church, serving and caring for the body, and I'm thankful for their service in the past. And there's a man, I just want to mention, his name is Don Anderson. A lot of you don't know them, some of you do, and you're nodding. He, he has Parkinson's, and he's in his last days, months, or years, we don't know. But for, for most of the life of this church, he deaconed really well. And what that meant is he wasn't looking around trying to boss around the church or feel powerful or have a title. He was like, how can I help provide for the care of the church? I praise God. I just want to honor him as unto the Lord. And there are many others that serve in this church, women who serve in deacon-like role, deaconing roles, whether it be in the church office with Julie, whether it be uh, Lisa Howell serving women in Bible studies, Ginger, I, 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 mean, I wasn't going to name names because I'm going to leave people out. I'm sorry. There's just so many of you, Tammy, others that when we have meals, when there's special needs, some of you are organizing, like Melissa and others are organizing meals for people that are either sick or having a baby or in special need. Now, I want you to see the second thing. Deacons care about the unity of the church. Deacons care for the unity of the church. Now, what would have happened 
if this widow problem of the Hellenist widows being neglected, complaining to them, what would happen if they didn't get this fixed? There'd be a church split or something, or there'd just be constant friction and constant problems. Hey, this is, this is a neglect. This is not fair. This is wrong. The grumbling and complaining would continue. There would be disunity in the body, and God loves unity within his body, and he wants us to pursue it. So deacons, secondly, care for the unity of the church. By caring for these needs, they're into, they, they're, and I would say deacons' job is to help preserve and love the unity in the church. They're called to preserve this unity, a spiritual unity that in this church in Acts 6 was in jeopardy until these deacons step in by the direction of the leaders and the rest of the congregation Godly deacons are the type of men, you, you should never choose a deacon or, or in, in these roles that is unhappy with the church because they are the, or complainers in the church, but instead they're the first to be like mufflers and shock absorbers for what's going on in the church. Always seeking to preserve the glorious unity, keeping, pointing people within the church to the big picture. That is called, that's the call of the pastor as he preaches the word and seeks to shepherd the flock. But deacons come alongside. Jesus made it very clear when his very last prayer before he goes to the cross, in John 17, he prays, Oh, Father, I pray that they would be one. They, the church, they would be one, even as you, we are one. Jesus and the Father. He prayed that the church would be one and unified. And it's Paul writing to the very same people in Timothy to Timothy in Ephesians 4 when he says, church, you need to walk with humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You are to care about unity in the church. That doesn't mean you ignore problems. You face them head on for the sake of the long-term good and unity of the church. Deacons care about that. The last thing I want you to see is deacons care about the word of God. The word in the church. I'm thankful that almost every Sunday, that's probably an exaggeration, but probably at least every month, one of our deacons will come up to me and say, Are you, you can keep your job, he says. And he's joking, but he, there's a truth behind it in that he, the deacons are to care for the, the advancement of the word of God. The deacons need to understand the importance of the word of God preached, taught, led, and lived in this church. We are a people of this book, not of some other book. We are a people of this book, not our ideas. And so deacon, and do you see that in this passage? The 12 men, the 12, it's called the 12, that's the apostles. They, sum, they summoned all of the church and said, it is, it is not good that we neglect the preaching of the word to take care of this need. This is a, but this is such an important need. Let's get it done in a, another way. Deacons exist so that elders can do good work. Deacons exist so elders can be good elders and pastors. The neglect of the study of, and prayer and the studying of the word of God if pastors have to focus on all the wonderful good works that need to take place on the building, on, in, in your life, the physical needs, 
the, the organization that needs to take place, if we need to focus on all that, we neglect our God-given job. And that's why he says in verse 4, they're going to do this, we'll appoint them to this duty, and to verse 3, Acts 6-4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. You as a church are demand that I and the elders of this church give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word of God. And we as a church need to make sure that we have deacons that free us up to do that in order to promote unity, the word of God, and the caring for the needs of the church. So lastly, what does this all have to do with all of us this morning? I just want to call you to this. We are all called to deacon. I am, I am a deacon of the Word of God. I'm a servant of the Word of God. Jesus was called... Jesus referred to himself using that word. He didn't mean to say deacon like the title deacon, but he used that word. In John chapter 12, verse 26, he says, If anyone deacons me, that means serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant, that my deacon, be also. If anyone deacons me, the Father will honor him. Now, that's not the ESV translation, that's, but that's literally what that word comes in. And he's not talking about the title, but he's using that same word. We are all called to deacon in a certain way. So let me, let me just give you four things about this. One, let us as a church promote and embrace biblical deacons. Let's keep doing that. Let's, let's love our deacons. Let's promote it. Let's, let's encourage them. I, I, I say to you, if you recognize someone in this church and you say to Pastor Dan, have you, I would love to hear from you and say, have you considered so-and-so to be a deacon? I see that they fit the qualifications of 1 Timothy 3 and they are men full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. Secondly, you and I are to deacon or serve where we are for Christ's sake. It's an act of worship. Jesus said that. I just quoted from John 12. Jesus says, if you're going to be my follower, you need to be my servant. You're to be my deacon. You're to, be, you are to roll up your sleeves and serve tables. You are to love and care for the needs. We're going to gather together on May 19th as a life together in order to serve one another. Would you think of a deaconing mindset? Will you come not because you think you need that time? If you don't think you need that time, please come because others may need your time and your presence. And we're going to hear what God's doing in the lives of people and God's working in their life. We're going to hear some testimonies. We're going to sing. We're going to eat together. We're going to play together. But would you come to deacon one another through the church directory so you know and then you reach out and ask and find out how you can pray for one another. And if you have a need, it's actually an act of service sometimes to ask for help. Don't rob others of the blessing of being able to help you. There's a blessing. Don't rob others of a blessing of helping you. I'm so thankful for those that deacon me and serve me. And I hope you get that same service to you. We want to strive towards that. The third thing I just want to say is, can you, can you embrace this? The priorities of deacons, they are to care for the needs of the church, care for the unity of the church, and care for the word of God. Make those your priority too. They are to be a priorities of every believer, not just four deacons, seven deacons, or the pastors. We are to love, the, to care for the needs of the church, 
the unity of the church. Pray for it. Care for it. And we are to love, promote, attend, delight, prepare our hearts for the life-changing Word of God. And would you pray for that? This is where I want to end now, and I'm going to, I'm going to transition, but my sermon continues. So I'm going to invite the ushers or the deacons that are going to come and help serve communion and the worship team. You can go to the... Because we're going we're gonna to play and sing in for a minute. I want you to think this last point. Here's my last point. A message on deacons, which can seem kind of, it's a church government. How can that be exciting to my faith today? And it really can. Because I want to call you to this. Be deaconed by Christ. If I were to say, be deacon by Jim, I would say, hey, Jim, I need your help. Will you come do this with me today? And he does it. So does John. So does the other deacons. So do you and almost everyone here. I could ask, hey, can you help me? And you do. But we first come to Jesus and we say, deacon me, serve me. Not serve me as though you're my genie and I need you to give me whatever I want, Jesus. But we fall on our knees before him with empty hands, really needy, and we say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me of my sins. I need you to clean me up. I need you to heal my broken heart. I need you to forgive me, and I need you to direct me, and I need you to clear everything up because I need you to deacon me in a way that I can't. I need you to serve me. And Jesus did that on the cross. Philippians chapter 2 says our minds should be like Jesus's. He did not look at his title as as something to, just to hold on to, but he gave that up for that time as he came to earth and he became a servant. That word actually in Philippians 2 is he became a slave for us. Doulos. So that we might be saved. Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. He came to be, not to serve, to be served, but to serve and give himself as a ransom for many. This meal, this meal is our remembering. Jesus served me. There's deacons in our church. Our deacons should be an example of Jesus. Last week we saw our elders should be an example of Jesus. Our members are called to be an example of Jesus who serve. Oh, he served us. So when you take this meal, remember, he served me when I couldn't serve myself. I could not meet the need he did. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take of this meal. We're going to take the bread. We're going to take of the juice. The bread is the broken body of Christ served. He gave for us. The blood, the, the cups of juice is his shed blood representing his covenant for us. Who can take of this? All those who have totally abandoned any hope in yourself saving yourself and said, all I have is the hope that you'll save me and I put my trust in that hope that you really will and you ask Jesus to forgive you of all your sins and he saved you. If you've done that, God wants you to be baptized. Follow him in baptism and then take of, of the table. This meal is a represent, it's a picture and it is meant to stir up our faith. In this case, of what he did for us in serving us and forgiving our sins. So after I pray, I'm going to invite you to stand.
If you're going to take communion, go out to the outside aisles, come, take, take, you're going to take some bread, you're going to take a cup and go, and at the end, I'll direct you in taking of communion. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this meal. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ, and I pray that if there's anyone here that has not yet received the service of Jesus on the cross, they would today. Oh, what a humbling thing we must do to have the Son of Man not just wash our feet, but wash all our sins away. He has to serve us, and I pray that he would rejoice in what he's done for us. I pray that it would be a basis of all our service, all our unity promoting and love of your word is because he served us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.